5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis. Let's talk about international intrigue. And there's a fair bit of it about it. If you've got any questions for my next uh, guest, by all means, jump on the line or send through a text or an email. John Bruni from Sage International. Hello, John. How are you? Good day, Matthew. How are you? All right, thank you. Now, last night, around this time, you started coming through about Mike Burgess. He's the um, uh, director of ASIO here in Australia. He was talking about a puppeteer, a person who was um, perhaps trying to influence, you would think, the federal. I don't think they'd be too interested in the SA election, but the federal election <laughs> may be more their thing. And somebody was out there trying to have a, a medal in it. Well, you know, to be absolutely fair here, Matthew, I mean, I think all elections are going to be on China's radar right now because it's all part of their influence operations that they've, they have been launching against Australia basically for the last, you know, I can't put really a, a, a figure on it because it's been with us for quite some time now, mm. but certainly it's, it's running into decades. The, um, the, the Chinese have um, an interest in seeing Australia as America's weak little brother that it can push around in the local region. Mm. Um, You know, both uh, the Chinese and the Russians are attempting to join forces in order to overturn the American-led international order. And by uh, launching into spying and espionage and all these kind of, you know, James Bondish kind of operations, um, it's it's all there designed to make sure that they can carry out their interests in this country. Because, of course, now the public and many of our politicians have, wi- have finally wised up and, and thought to themselves, well, look, you know, it's all very good making money with the Chinese, but, you know, they are not capitalists like we are. They still... Uh, harbor strategic uh, end points in everything they do, including when they make money. So when Australian resources go off to China, it's not just a business deal, it's a strategic play by by China to ensure that they can fuel their industries and make sure that they can get access to relatively um, good quality and good cost Australian uh, stuff, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so the outcome here, I mean, ASIO have stopped this, but they're going to try again, aren't they? Of course they are. It's all part of the nature of the new Cold War that seems to be emerging between, you know, the, the American-led order on the one side and, and, and China and Russia on the other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right. The other thing that uh, the ASIO Director General talked about last night was increasing radicalisation amongst young Australian, presumably males, but not necessarily, mm. not restricted. Mm. Uh, mm. And that obviously rings alarm bells. We've been lucky in that nothing has happened over the last 12 months or so or longer, probably. But uh, mm. you never know when, when trouble like that could strike. Well, exactly. You know, um, the thing is that we... Um we always have to be on our guard here. I mean, there's there's no way that we can't um, sit back and be complacent. You know, well, what's the old saying about vigilance? You always have to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. And in in the cyber in the cyber area, this this remains our most important vulnerability. Many of the kids who have been laid off school because of COVID, you know, and and most adults, you know, we're using the internet more now than we ever did before as a means to be able to communicate with other people. Mm. And, And the bad people out there, whether they happen to be terrorist recruiters 
or, you know, Chinese agents or Russian agents or Iranian agents, they all know this. And what they're doing is they're playing to our vulnerabilities. Our key vulnerability here, Matthew, is the more we use the computers, the more we carry around our iPhones and our various other devices, the more we're going to expose ourselves to the likelihood of being targeted by, you know, um, dare I say, ne'er-do-wells out there who wish to cause us harm or mm. to compromise us in some way, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've got to be careful, obviously, in, in making sure your passwords are up to date, that you're not using the same password for absolutely everything that, you know... One, one two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, password one, two, three, four, exactly. Or your birth date or your last name or whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah you've got to be a bit creative with all that. Well, well, you do, but but then there's a limit on 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 the human capacity yeah. to remember all these passwords as well. So, but but the thing that your your listeners have to understand about this is that we have now successfully created a system where we have revealed everything. I mean, uh, in his uh, annual threat assessment, Mike Burgess also raised the idea of apps. You know. We're using apps, yeah. you know, because we don't go to nightclubs anymore. We don't do face-to-face interactions anymore. First, it's the COVID, but then, you know, changing times, changing social mores also have something to do with this. Mm. So we think that the best way of finding a mate is to go on Tinder or Bumble or something like that. Mm. Now, back in the olden days, during the Cold War, uh, when technology was, you know, in its embryonic form, yes. um, we didn't have these kind of avenues. So they had to launch what they call human intelligence operations, which meant that you'd have your, your honey trap, you know, say a very attractive lady is at a bar waiting for you to walk through. And then, you know, Matthew, you get a couple of uh, winks and maybe a free drink. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it's all on for young and old. But the mm. thing is... I miss those days. days. Yeah. Yes, so do I. (laughs) But, you know, know, the the fact of the matter is um, now, because all our intimate secrets and details and desires and everything have been now funneled through um, technology, it makes us as individuals particularly vulnerable. And, and, you know, for people in the public space or, you know, like, for instance, prime ministers, presidents, whatever, you know, they're all human beings. They Mm. they all get up to hijinks. We know that. Mm. And, And good luck to them. But the fact is that if they do that and they use these kind of applications, you know, uh, to to satisfy loneliness and whatnot, you know, um, the fact is that they can get um, compromised. And if they get compromised, it means that, um, you know, um, intelligence agencies of a foreign country can take a strategically important person in the scheme of government and ruin them completely. And not only ruin them, but by ruining them also possibly changing the policy course of the country. So there's a strategic effect in all of this as well, yeah? Yeah, okay. So the mischief afoot, so be careful. Don't go Absolutely. For, yeah, all right. Tinder, hey? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep away. Now, looking at uh, the situation in Ukraine, what I've learned over the last week is tables are unusually long in Moscow. Oh, it, it was incredible. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, that there wasn't enough comics uh, or, you know, out there showing the ridiculous size of that table. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it was really interesting to see um, President Macron do his his thing to see peace in our time. Um, it seemed to me from where we were uh, witnessing things um, that he seems to be breaking ranks with the United States and doing his own thing. Yeah. Now, he's been putting a lot of emphasis, because, of course, it's an election year for France, and I think uh, there are elections in April. So he's got a a political interest to be seen to be the the strong man of Western Europe, you know, because Mm. we have such a bunch of great leaders out there, and Macron thinks he can fill the void. Mm. Great for him. The fact of the matter is, 
Vladimir Putin obviously um, did make a bit of a critical comment when he did say that, you know, spending six hours with Macron around that large table was like torture. I could imagine that would have been the case, even for a steely-eyed dictator like Putin. But but the thing is that uh, what, what your listeners have to understand is that Macron is not going there with you know the the whole um, the whole West at his at his uh, beck and call. I mean, mm-hmm. the Americans are doing their thing. The Germans are quietly quietly trying to subvert anything that's going to destroy their relationship with Russia, which has a lot to do with gas, um, because they've made a choice to wipe out um, their fossil fuels, go green, and have no base load power. I mean, that's a choice that the Merkel government um, committed to. The new incoming. I know it's a. I can't remember his name anyway. <laughs> Mr. Forgettable from Germany. Yeah, uh, the the new, yeah I can't think of his yeah. name either. I know, it's not terrible. <laughs> Mr. Forgettable from yep. Germany, he is there uh, also uh, towing the, that same line. So, you know, the, the, so Germany, you know, the, the economic powerhouse of Europe yeah. is now effectively dependent on Russian gas. Um, from a strategic perspective, that makes uh, Europe particularly vulnerable. Um, what what can be done? Well, look, everyone is talking at different speeds and different ways. I think in one way it satisfies Putin's ego that all these international leaders keep rocking up in, in, in Moscow, you know, mm. sitting at that long table, uh, you know, talking about Ukraine. It puts the attention on him. Yes, but he, well, did, he did seem to give a bit of ground, didn't he, in saying, look, there are no plans and we're not going to do it. And then, of course, Macron goes over to the Ukraine and says, well, here's what he told me, which is a bit of peace in our time, bit of Neville Chamberlain stuff, isn't it, really? Well, <laughs> but, well, yeah, well, well, well Hitler also said a few yes. nice things to Neville Chamberlain, yeah. too. So, you know, I mean... Uh, how much stock do we put in it? I mean, the only thing that uh, we are we, we ought to be seeing right now is the the kind of deployments that the Russians are putting towards Ukraine and into Belarus and all the exercises that are currently undergoing also in the Black Sea. The fact is that some sort of military move is still highly likely. Uh, Vladimir can say whatever he likes about, you know, I, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. He's got no interest in, you know, ratting out his own forces. I mean, mm. but, but what, you, what we can say is that for current intelligence estimates uh, are worried that, you know, um, Putin has already deployed ammunition in the front line. He's already deployed medical supplies in the front line. This isn't your average exercise, right? Mm-hmm. This is more a prelude to some sort of action. Um, and, and look... Um, America didn't do itself too many favors by the way it got out of Afghanistan. No. I'm not saying that Afghanistan was justified as an operation, so please don't come up and criticize me. I hated that operation um, for a whole heap of reasons because it was really badly executed from a political level. Not, not, nothing to do with the military that were on the ground. It was mm. just badly botched. But the fact of the matter is, um, you know, uh, as Biden withdrew, he withdrew, uh, and it appeared, at least for that moment in time, that America was whipped. Yeah. And, and, and Putin then saw this as an opportunity to rise up and actually press his case on Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much of Macron, the shuttle diplomacy, okay, you talk about the French elections and, and their motivation for him to look good for his uh, home crowd, but how yeah. much of it is about Macron flip, flipping the US and the UK, effectively the bird, and, and by extension Australia, over Ackman? Is he still stung of missing out on that and, and, uh, and basically saying, look what I can do? I'm the man here. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting you should raise that, uh, Matthew, because I don't doubt that that isn't also part of it as well. 
all of these diplomatic maneuverings are not one-dimensional. It's not just about Russia and France. It's about France and the world and how France is seen by the world. Now, France has had a couple of hits. You know, obviously, the loss of the submarine deal here in Australia was a massive hit for French defence industry. I don't think the French are going to be forgiving us anytime soon for that, you yeah. know, and, 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 that, and that, that, that poses some problems for Australian diplomacy in Paris, obviously. Mm. Um, so, yes, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, you I know, called Macron... It, I called it Orkman. I meant Orcus. Orcus, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, so, basically, I think that there is that sort of, uh, I, want to, I want to show the world that I am important, France is important, we're in the mm. centre of things, and we can lead Europe. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Boris Johnson's going through his own issues right now. You know, he's still got that partygate funk hanging over him, whether yeah. he dodges that bullet or not, well, is anyone's guess. He's but, still there a week know. later than we spoke, so he's well, made it this true. far. No, no, he has. And, and look, you know, everything now depends on when the police will hand down mm. their uh, investigation um, uh, determinations. You know, like, is, 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 was a criminal act indeed something that Johnson had done? And if so... How is that going to affect his prime ministership? Now, yeah. you know, people would look at that and say, well, you know, if he had a, an ounce of honour, he would fall on his sword for the good of the country. Mm. So he could get on with looking after Europe and, uh, European security. It doesn't look like um, Boris is of that demeanour. I think that he's going to fight for his own survival and as a consequence, also give that sense that, you know, Britain has is losing its way because of this party gate r- ridiculous crisis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although, if he's charged, you'd think if, you know, for, for breaching COVID rules, then oh. he's gone, isn't he? Surely. Well, yes, but, but again, it, it depends on when the police deliver their report. The mm-hmm. Sue Gray report was the tip of the iceberg, but the Sue Gray report was not an indictment of Johnson. It just gave evidence to to show that there were these parties and it did happen during a time of lockdown. And, and now we've got the f- photographic evidence dribbling out of London where we see that there's an open bottle of champagne in, with, within Kui of, uh, with Bo- of Boris looking very relaxed. So, uh, you know, we started to see the evidence and as the evidence mounts and from, from my British colleagues, you know, they're all <laughs> riotously angry at this situation, absolutely beyond the pale. But, you know, the system is the system. And if Johnson uh, manages to keep on fighting on and if the police report doesn't come out soon, you'll have to wonder whether or not Johnson will be able to carry on until the next uh, election. Wow. All right. We'll see where it goes. John, yeah. really appreciate your insights tonight. Thank you. We'll chat next Thursday. No worries. Thanks, Matthew. John, John Bruni there from uh, Sage International. And uh, you can go to his website and find a whole heap of uh, things on international affairs, if that is your bent, a whole heap of uh, articles and uh, interviews as well, podcasts that he puts up too. 5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis.